Section 6 of Safeguarding Children Pediatric Medical Countermeasure Research by Presidential Commission for the Study of Bioethical Issues. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Patrick McAfee, Merritt Island. Chapter 3 Ethical Considerations for Pediatric Medical Countermeasure Research, Part 2 Application of Available Data in vaccine development, whenever possible, trials are first conducted with adults. Pediatric trials begin only after adult safety, immunogenicity, and efficacy, when possible, are determined, and are often conducted using age de-escalation. The rationale and design of age de-escalation depends on the nature of the disease, the target population for the vaccine, and what is known about immune response in children. In the context of preventive HIV vaccines, a circumstance in which vaccines would ultimately be marketed for both adults and children, FDA has stated that the amount and kind of adult data that are needed to support initiation of pediatric studies depends upon, one, quote, the strength of the adult safety and immunogenicity data generated, end quote, two, quote, what is known about the investigational vaccine in terms of its relationship to well-characterized vaccines or novel vectors or production methods, end quote, and three, quote, the relationship of documented immune response to protection, end quote. Various types of information must still be gathered before pediatric AVA trials can proceed. Before moving from adult AVA trials to pediatric trials, data characterizing adverse reactions of AVA for persons 18 years of age are required. Researchers should begin with a thorough examination of adverse event data in the youngest adult AVA recipients before they can infer that an AVA trial with the oldest children for example, adolescents ages 16 and 17, poses a minimal level of risk. Additional dosing studies in the youngest group of adults must also be completed. Specifically, studies evaluating the adequacy of different dosing strategies in adults are required before pediatric studies may be conducted. Trials with children should begin only after all adult data required by FDA to scientifically and ethically justify pediatric research are acquired. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, CDC, and the Institute of Medicine also have recommended additional investigation into long-term side effects, alternative dosing methods, and quantitative determination of correlates of immunity in animal models. Pre-event studies posing no more than a minor increase over minimal risk approvable under Section 407. There will be instances in which it will be impossible to design minimal risk pre-event MCM research. In such cases, national level review under Section 407 would be required but should proceed only if researchers can demonstrate that the research poses no more than a minor increase over minimal risk to participants. 
A minor increase over minimal risk is only a narrow expansion of minimal risk. Research at this risk level should not pose any significant threats to a child's health or well-being. This risk standard is codified in Section 406, which governs research with no prospect of direct benefit, but that is likely to yield generalizable knowledge about the participant's condition and, given the unique characteristics of pre-event pediatric MCM research discussed above, and the fact that children cannot consent to participation, the Bioethics Commission concluded that this risk standard also should apply and set the upper limit to greater than minimal risk pre-event MCM research approvable under Section 407. Pre-event MCM research offers no prospect of direct benefit to pediatric participants. Moreover, it is uncertain that anyone, let alone any children, will ever benefit from such research because the risk of a bioterrorism event that would require the use of any given pediatric MCM is thus far no more than speculative. While the Bioethics Commission did not rule out the possibility that other sorts of extraordinary circumstances might warrant exposing children to slightly more than a minor increase over minimal risk in research from which they do not have any reasonable expectations of benefit, the inherent uncertainty of an exposure that would affect children in the future strongly favors capping the permissible risk in pre-event MCM research at no more than a minor increase over minimal. Further, investigators should explore all possible strategies for conducting such research in a manner that would involve no more than minimal risk. A minimal risk research design for pre-event pediatric MCM research might be impossible however, for a variety of reasons. Chief among the potential barriers is that inferring risk between groups of children in different developmental stages during the age de-escalation process might prove impossible. See pre-event studies posing no more than minimal risk approvable under Section 404, Chapter 3. For example, it might be impossible to infer that an intervention considered to be minimal risk with pubescent children will similarly pose only minimal risk when tested with prepubescent children. Alternatively, researchers might find that even with comprehensive adult testing, potential research risks should not be considered minimal for pediatric participants due, for example, to the risks inherent in any use of the tested product. Other obstacles might arise if the potential MCM is designed to counter an agent that specifically targets some aspect of pediatric physiology, making prior testing with adults unethical or uninformative, or if there is no time to conduct full age de-escalation. Recommendation 3. Preconditions to National Level Review of Pre-Event Pediatric Medical Countermeasure Research Pre-Event Pediatric Medical Countermeasure Research may proceed to National Level Review 
under Department of Health and Human Services regulations at 45 CFR section 46.407 and or U.S. Food and Drug Administration regulations at 21 CFR section 50.54 only when researchers have demonstrated and reviewers concur that a minimal risk study is impossible and the proposed study poses no more than a minor increase over minimal risk to research participants. In part because of the inherent uncertainty of a bioterrorism attack, pre-event pediatric medical countermeasure research posing greater than a minor increase over minimal risk should not be approved under 45 CFR section 46.407 or 21 CFR section 50.54. When research meets these two threshold conditions, minimal risk research is impossible and the proposed research presents no more than a minor increase over minimal risk. The framework specified below provides the considerations necessary to approve a pediatric MCM research protocol under Section 407. While this framework might provide useful guidance for other types of 407 review, the Bioethics Commission developed it specifically for pre-event pediatric MCM research. The term 407 review here refers to review under both HHS provision 45 CFR section 46.407 and FDA Regulation 21 CFR Section 50.54. Specifying a Framework Under Section 407, the Secretary of HHS, in consultation with an independent panel of experts, can review and approve pediatric research, including investigations with healthy children that involve greater than minimal risk and offer no prospect of direct benefit to participants. Before approving this type of research, however, by regulation, the Secretary must determine that the protocol under review meets all of the following conditions required under Section 407. 1. The research presents a reasonable opportunity to further the understanding, prevention, or alleviation of a serious problem affecting the health or welfare of children. Two, the research will be conducted in accordance with sound ethical principles. And three, adequate provisions are made for soliciting the permission of parents or guardians and the meaningful assent of children. The Bioethics Commission's recommended framework structured around the three conditions for national level review clarifies the circumstances in which proposed research presents a reasonable opportunity to address a serious problem, specifies a rigorous set of conditions necessary to determine whether the research would be conducted in accordance with sound ethical principles, and reiterates the importance of informed parental permission and meaningful and developmentally appropriate child assent. Decision makers should assess proposed pre-event pediatric MCM research 
that poses more than minimal risk using this framework in order to ensure that all the necessary aspects of a study have been evaluated and found ethically permissible before moving forward. Importantly, only after the Secretary of HHS, with the advice of an independent panel, has found it ethically permissible to proceed would parents be asked to decide whether to enroll their children in research. 1. Does the research present a reasonable opportunity to further the understanding, prevention, or alleviation of a serious problem that could affect the health or welfare of children? In order to satisfy the first condition for approval under 407 review, proposed research must present, quote, a reasonable opportunity to further the understanding, prevention, or alleviation of a serious problem affecting the health or welfare of children. To provide more granular guidance, the Bioethics Commission specified the type of problem that qualifies as a sufficiently serious problem and reiterated the importance of identifying a reasonable opportunity. A. Serious Problem At the outset of 407 Review for Pre-Event Pediatric MCM Research that poses more than minimal risk, decision-makers must confirm that the proposed research addresses, quote, a serious problem affecting the health or welfare of children, end quote. Evaluation of the seriousness of the problem is the first step of a 407 review because if there is no serious problem or threat of a serious problem to address, then enrolling healthy children in greater than minimal risk research is clearly unwarranted. This evaluation is conducted independently of the merits of any particular protocol. As a matter of beneficence and respect for persons, it would be unethical to expose child research participants who cannot consent to unnecessary research risks or to any risk if a problem is not sufficiently serious. And when a problem is serious, beneficence calls for investments, for example, through research, to protect children from potential threats. In the context of MCMs, a serious problem can be specified along at least two dimensions. One, the consequences of exposure, and two, the likelihood of exposure. The panel reviewing a protocol must determine and advise the secretary whether proposed research satisfies both of these criteria. 1. Seriousness due to consequences of exposure. To determine the seriousness of the consequences of exposure, one must consider not only the magnitude of harm should an exposure occur, but also the vulnerability of children to exposure and the relative adequacy of any available therapeutic options or research alternatives. In this assessment, reviewers should consider the anticipated public health and security responses at the federal, state, and local levels, and their ability to mitigate the consequences of any exposure, as well as the existence and availability of other suitable alternative MCMs. Reviewers should also consider the possibility and sufficiency 
of post-event pediatric research to mitigate both the short and long-term consequences of exposure. Taking all of these factors into account, a serious problem is one in which the consequences of exposure are life-threatening, permanently disabling, debilitating, or similarly grave. It is not enough that consequences are simply detrimental to the well-being of children. The detriment must be a crucial obstacle to the growth and development of children in order to support the conduct of research offering no prospect of direct benefit that poses a minor increase over minimal risk. Beneficence requires that if the consequences are serious enough, we take measures to ameliorate the welfare of children as a class, including those who participate in research and future generations of children. Two, seriousness due to likelihood or threat of exposure. A second dimension of the seriousness of a problem is the likelihood of exposure. This dimension adds compelling urgency to the governmental obligation to take steps to reduce or prevent future harms to the public welfare and to the welfare of children more specifically. Fear of exposure, however, is not an appropriate measure of its likelihood. Calculating the precise probability of an attack is impossible unless an attack is known to be imminent in which case the circumstances are essentially similar to those of post-event rather than pre-event research. Rather, in the face of inevitable uncertainty, those considering the potential for harm to children as a class should use the best quantitative and qualitative evidence available to inform firmly grounded beliefs that estimate the likelihood of future events. This analysis should take into account determinations of the threat based on established methods for assessing risks, such as the U.S. Department of Homeland Security Material Threat Determination or other assessments that inform it. Assessments should also incorporate, to the extent possible, considerations of imminence, the physical properties of the agent, the plausibility of accessing and producing a chemical or biological agent, the ease with which the agent could be deployed, or the possibility that a change in formulation or virulence might affect the severity and incidence of exposure. Evidence that an attack is relatively likely, as opposed to remote, supports the idea that the proposed research addresses a sufficiently serious problem. The Bioethics Commission concluded that, as part of 407 review, the Secretary should provide reasons that the likelihood of exposure renders the problem a serious one. The Secretary's rationale should be made publicly known, even if the determination is based on classified information. For example, the Secretary could make an unclassified rationale publicly available or provide a classified rationale to authorized representatives of the public, for example, members of Congress. Articulating an explicit rationale 
helps to ensure a rigorous deliberative process and holds decision makers accountable to the public. Accountability is particularly important in cases where the threat level is classified because this information is often held by small groups of people with specific credentials and role-related priorities of circumstances that might present a serious problem. Concrete examples can inform what constitutes a serious problem. Current regulations were developed in the wake of polio outbreaks, and the National Commission pointed to examples such as an impending epidemic in which considerable dangers to children or to the community at large might be avoided or prevented by enrolling children in greater than minimal risk research. Additional hypothetical examples might include 1. Large quantities of weaponized sarin gas have gone missing under suspicious circumstances. Sarin is estimated to be 500 times more toxic than cyanide, and even non-lethal exposure is likely to have unknown long-term effects on a child's neurological development. A new MCM offers a promising potential intervention, but has not yet been tested with children. 2. Smallpox, a disease that no longer occurs naturally, is stolen from a research facility. The possibility of exposure poses a threat to the community at large due to its infectiousness and high mortality rate. Pediatric populations are especially vulnerable. Historically, physicians have only been able to treat the symptoms rather than combat the virus itself. Scientists have found one new antiviral agent that is effective in combating the disease. This new treatment has just been approved for use by adults. 3. Security sources reveal that while certain terrorist cells in unknown locations cannot currently deliver a dirty bomb, which would entail significant radiological exposure. They have both the intent and will to develop delivery capability within five years. A new form of therapy has been developed and it has been tested and found safe in adults and older children. No testing on young children has yet been undertaken. Three, seriousness due to vital importance. The Bioethics Commission drew insight in specifying what constitutes a serious problem from sections 404 through 406, and in so doing, adopted language from section 406, a section that also regulates research offering no prospect of direct benefit to participants and involving more than minimal risk. Section 406 allows for research to be approved if the research is likely to generate knowledge of, quote, vital importance for the understanding or amelioration of the subject's disorder or condition, end quote. Although in Section 406, the knowledge sought can relate to any condition of a research participant, Section 407 limits research to only that which is likely to yield knowledge about a serious problem. In specifying what constitutes a serious problem, the Bioethics Commission recognized that the ethical standard for the information to be gained from a protocol approved under Section 407 
must also, at the very least, be as rigorous as the ethical standard established in Section 406, and therefore the information to be gained must be of vital importance to addressing that serious problem as well. Quote, the criterion for judging the potential contribution of research must ethically be as stringent for reviews conducted under Section 407 as for those conducted under Section 406, end quote. B. Reasonable opportunity. In addition to being of vital importance to addressing a serious problem, the proposed MCM research must present a reasonable opportunity to further the understanding, prevention, or alleviation of that serious problem. Although various natural and manufactured threats can present a serious problem, the gravity of the problem alone is not enough to justify the research if the research itself does not present a reasonable opportunity to learn something significant to developing or deploying an MCM. A reasonable opportunity. The proposed protocol must be based on the current state of the science and must present an opportunity to learn about a specific MCM candidate that might be useful in protecting or treating children exposed to a serious threat. Research that can be expected to yield knowledge that improves the safety, availability, or feasibility of MCM delivery could meet this requirement. If research does not constitute a logical step toward ameliorating a serious problem, principles of ethical research, including beneficence and respect for persons, require that additional risks not be imposed on others, particularly those who cannot consent. Two, will the research be conducted in accordance with sound ethical principles? Drawing on the principles of respect for persons, beneficence, justice, and democratic deliberation, the Bioethics Commission proposed a rigorous set of ethical conditions that must be employed when assessing whether pre-event pediatric MCM research reviewed under Section 407 will be conducted in accordance with sound ethical principles. These conditions fall into five general categories. One, ethical threshold of acceptable risk and adequate protection from harm. Two, ethical research design. Three, post-trial requirements to ensure ethical treatment of children and their families. Four, community engagement in pre-event research. And five, transparency and accountability. A. Ethical threshold of acceptable risk and adequate protection from harm. Because children themselves cannot legally or ethically consent to research and its attendant risks, the level of research risk to which children can be exposed when there is no prospect of direct benefit is strictly limited, typically to the level of minimal risk. Thus, consistent with the principles of beneficence and respect for persons, the level of risk to which the government and researchers can ask parents to expose their children is limited and small. Although parents may reasonably permit their children to engage in certain higher risk activities, 
for example, contact sports. The government lacks comparable latitude. When children are at serious threat of future exposure, however, there might be reason to reluctantly accept testing with a small amount more risk if minimal risk research is impossible. As argued above, pre-event pediatric MCM research risk should always be limited to no greater than a minor increase over minimal risk. Quote, the question is to what extent we as a society think it's appropriate to put that decision in front of a parent, end quote. Although the level of risk permitted under Section 407 is not specified or limited by regulation, the distinct characteristics of pre-event pediatric MCM research warrant strict risk limits. In particular, because this research offers no prospect of direct benefit, and the likelihood of an exposure in which the research results would be required is unknown and unknowable. Children involved in pre-event MCM research must be protected by keeping research risks both limited and small. It is generally accepted that children should be protected from harm. And in the context of pediatric research, Limiting the research risk to which children may be exposed is one means of ensuring such protection. Under the current regulatory framework, research protections can be summarized as adequately protecting children from harm in light of the expected results of the research. That is, whether the research is of possible direct benefit to individual participants of potential benefit to an identifiable class of children with a disorder or condition, or of potential benefit to all children as a class. In the case of pre-event pediatric MCM research, there is no prospect of direct benefit to individual participants or benefit to an identifiable class of children because the likelihood of an attack is speculative. Rarely does a bioterrorism agent exist naturally in a weaponized form or in the quantity or virulence necessary to cause the breadth of harm expected during an attack. Given the particularly remote possibility that results of pre-event pediatric MCM research will be put to use, more so than in other types of research approved under Section 407, and the legal and ethical incapacity of children to consent, when it is possible to design a minimal risk pre-event pediatric MCM research trial, the only ethically tolerable level of risk is a minor increase over minimal risk. The minor increase over minimal risk threshold has been described by the National Commission as a narrow expansion over minimal risk, entailing, quote, no significant threat to the child's health or well-being, end quote. Assessment of research risk should take into account the probability, magnitude, duration, and reversibility of harm. 
Risks include both potential harms from the intervention itself, as well as those that might occur as a result of the procedures associated with the research. Reviewers should also take into account commonly used assessments of what constitutes minimal risk or a minor increase over minimal risk in making their determination. The level of permissible risk to which children may be exposed under specified circumstances includes, for example, risks of conditions such as redness or moderate soreness at the injection site, both minimal risk or missing a few days of school due to temporary low fever or malaise, minor increase over minimal risk, or procedures such as drawing blood, minimal risk, or a skin biopsy or chest x-ray, minor increase over minimal risk. Procedures that entail a significant likelihood of greater risks than these, such as lumbar puncture or bronchoscopy, are not acceptable within the context of pre-event pediatric MCM research. End of chapter three, Ethical Considerations for Pediatric Medical Countermeasure Research, part two. Recording by Patrick McAfee, Merritt Island.